Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and ask us. The strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer Incorporated, a not-for-profit charity set up in 2012 by myself. Dr. Joe Milios. If you want to know any more information about Prost, including our online service now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health. So, Prost to you. Where I want to call my home. So, stop for a second and listen. It's not silent. Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. And today we're speaking to Rod Popcorn, which is very entertaining. Now, Rod, first up, tell us why you're called Rod Popcorn. <laughs> Look, um, that was, you caught me off guard. I had to make up a, something beginning with P, and that was my son loves popcorn. That was the first thing that came really? to mind. I thought it was mm. because you went off like popping corn. <laughs> oh, Potentially, but I don't like to divulge too much. We'll have to ask Ms. Popcorn if she agrees with that one, won't we? Yeah, potentially, yes. <laughs> anyway, on a serious note, tell us your, so it's Prostate Cancer Awareness Month this month and you have had prostate cancer and you're out the other side of your treatment. So tell us about your journey. Um, so it was back in 2020. Um, i just come back from a trip to Bali. I had my bloods done, my annual bloods done. With my GP, um, the PSA's come back with a, I guess, a, something that concerned my GP. So he suggested I go and see a specialist. Um, so I booked in to go and see a specialist. I went and um, saw a specialist and had uh, the pleasure of the examination. And um, yeah, I Tom, like that little Tom, chuckle there. He obviously enjoyed that. Uh, look, I don't <laughs> think anybody seriously does. On some people may, but not me. Um, but, um, yeah, and then he suggested I get a biopsy just to be 100% sure, and he sort of assured me that prostate cancer was slow-growing and don't stress, don't panic. And, um, of course, this being February, March in 2020, just at the onset of um, COVID, I guess. Um, so I went and I managed to get in for the biopsy um, and then awaiting results, I could no longer get in to see my specialist, so it was just phone, phone appointment only. Um, so I guess the day that he he rang with my results, I was um, driving down to my partner's place in Mandra. I was driving along the freeway quite happily. Um, Tom rings me up and he and he goes, uh, "Unfortunately, we've got some bad news." So, so of course, um, probably driving receiving bad news isn't the most <laughs> most most smart thing to do. But anyway, he, I think um, this is a common way people get their um their their diagnosis. Sitting actually. in the car, yeah. maybe because of COVID. Maybe because of COVID. Yeah, yep. not being face to face consults. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. So he um, he explained to me the Gleason score and that I'd done very well. So that was good news, <laughs> not. Um, and he proceeded to put forward some options to deal with um, the fact that I'd been diagnosed with cancer. Um, I guess driving on the freeway, hearing that news, it's quite a quite a big sledgehammer to sort of walk into. Mm. Um, yeah, so I sort of got off the phone to Tom and I was like, far out. <laughs> How long have I got sort of thing? And um, I rang, rang Natalie, my partner, and sort of said, oh, you know, I've just been given some bad news. I'm on my way down. I'll, ca- I'll catch up with you when I get there. Mm-hmm. That's an email, email by the way. Um, I don't know how to stop that noise. That's but um, We can't hear it. That's fine. Oh, oh yep. that's good. Yeah, we're not getting a signal. No. We'll just delete that little bit out. So yeah. it's all good. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, so I rang that and explained to her that um, I had some bad news and then I sort of got off the phone and I was catching my breaths. And, um, yeah, I guess the impact sort of hits you, like, oh, I've got cancer, how long have I got sort of thing, and you sort of all the fears that you never imagined you would have sort of come to your mind and you think, shit. I better start getting my things in order, as um, a few of my mates have sort of said to me. But um, I drove down to Nats, and yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a realization, pretty heavy. Um, yeah, and that day it was a weird thing. I sort of just wanted to tell the people close to me that that shit was going down, and I was potentially in a bit of strife. Um, Tom explained to me that. There was a number of options, and I sort of said to him straight away, surgery sounds like the option to me, and he's explained to me surgery is good because it can eradicate all the problems. And, and How old um, are you, Popcorn? Uh, oh, now, Jesus Christ, that's a good question. <laughs> you don't think about how old you are. I'm about 52, I think. So, okay. yeah. um, You're a youngin. Yeah, young. So when I got diagnosed, I was yeah, even younger than now, amazingly. But um, no yeah. yeah, you were just a spring chicken then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's a pretty good weight loss program, I have to say. But yeah, Tom, <laughs> Tom insisted that I lose weight to, before surgery, so he put me on this OptiFast program and flame, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it's a bit of stress to try and lose weight, but a big incentive. So I focused on that. I lost a bit of weight, but um. The fact that I wanted to get the surgery straight away, Tom's like, no, 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 just take it away and think about it. And um, in the meantime, when I was at Nat's place ringing everyone, she's sort of thinking, I want to talk to you and deal with it. And I was, <laughs> I was off ringing everyone going, oh, shit, I'm going to die. So. <laughs> and, um, not not over-dramatising at all there. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, that was pretty spun out. Um, so, yeah, it freaked me out. But, um in the in the preceding meetings before surgery, um, Tom introduced me to his specialist nurse, and we spoke about the pelvic floor exercises and all those things that go along with that. But he also that was the prostate cancer it, awareness. That was the prostate cancer foundation nurse, wasn't it? She's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he also said that I'd done so well on the Gleason scale that he he wanted to take out my lymph nodes and explain that. That has an effect on um, blood flow to your legs and other potential ramifications. So he's very clear in explaining all the negatives, I suppose, that you need to consider when you make the decision on surgery. So, um, and the nurse gave me a lot of reading material. Um, and listening to you, <laughs> to all the podcasts you guys have done before, I hear so much about physio and all that sort of stuff. But I guess my journey sort of took a bit of a weird turn. Um, so far as I went and had the surgery, everything seemed to go well, um, and I decided to get my lymph nodes removed. 
um, which I guess caused additional trauma, which wasn't that big a deal. I suppose um, for me, the surgery went well, was in two days, went home, had the, <laughs> had the catheter and all the tubes, drains hanging out of me, did my 10 days at home, and I was like, right, I need to sort of get on with life and get moving. So I went down to my brother's farm and set fire to a few things and had a yarn to my brother and, you know, the things boys need to do to let vent. Um, anyway, I drove back from my brother's place. I was feeling a little bit unwell. I'd had a, I mean, I had a sneaky few beers, but I didn't certainly <laughs> didn't hang one on. What is the suggestion of your, your dishes with sneaky few? Because to me, oh, a few look. means like three and a couple means two. And what a sneaky few. Yeah. Let's say it's, it's uh, more than two. Um, <laughs> under 10 <laughs> under 10 I would suggest yeah. um but like yeah so a bit different mm. yeah I wasn't feeling 100% and I just thought I was just a bit weak and I need to toughen up um as my dad would say but um I've never really had surgery before so I was thinking it's not very comfortable and um, I got back to my girlfriend's place thinking I'm really not feeling very well she had a couple of mates over having a few drinks and they were downstairs and I said, look, I'd love to join you guys, but I'm just not feeling up to it. I'm going to go upstairs. And um, from all I can remember, I got up the top of the stairs and I, I had a bit of a blackout moment, so I passed out at the top of the stairs. And my girlfriend's got a um, young son, five-year-old ADHD, autistic kid, and he's, he's a beautiful kid. He loves me to bits, but unfortunately when you're unconscious on the ground and he comes jumping on you say, hey, Let's play. And I'm like, well, I'm feeling too good. <laughs> so I crawled into bed and he, he snuggled up next to me and Aww. I fell asleep for a little while. And uh, Nat came up and said, what's going on? I said, oh, I'm not feeling very well. And by this time um, the infection in my abdomen was such that the fluid build up and that was like I had my beer gut back again, which I just lost and I was you very disappointed. No. 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 It's, it's not um, like a man, is it, just to think, oh, nothing much is happening. I've just passed out on the stairs, but I'll just go to sleep anyway. I won't go to the hospital. I'll just go to bed. Yeah. I'll toughen up. I'll look, yeah, well, Nat sort of looked at me and didn't, you know, I wasn't my usual handsome, sprightly self, so she yeah. said, uh, uh, maybe we better call an ambulance. So the ambulance came mm. and they yeah. came upstairs. Yeah, and I was asking him the pain score out of 10 and I was going, oh, getting close to nine, so they yeah. kept on injecting me. Um, but, yeah, the infection was quite bad and um, we managed to get the urinary tract infection? No. No. So tell no. us what it was when they finally figured it out. Um, so I actually had like a, a blood poisoning and golden staff at that stage. So You must have picked up in the hospital, hey? Yeah. I'd, look, I've done my research and, um, oh, we had a great um, infectious disease guy when I finally got to Hollywood. He used to come and see me. I've seen him on the news a few times. I've forgotten it's his Clay name Colley. now. But... Is it Clay Colley? Yeah, Clay, yeah, yeah. He's our he, uh, he, yeah. yeah, so he, uh, he's, he was seeing me every day because I was such a star performer. But um, <laughs> I ended up getting, yeah, I'd got a pick line up my arm. That was interesting watching that go into my, I think it's the left ventricle it goes yep. into. And yep. they'll, they'll punch, punch and yep antibiotics into me three times a day, which was an interesting sensation. But I was stuck in hospital for like nearly four and a half weeks, um, much to my girlfriend's uh, pleasure and my mum's, everyone else. 
that they all had to come uh, and visit you all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, they interesting. I didn't know Golden Staff was such a thing. That, like, I dodged cancer. Cancer's nothing. But when you're dealing with Golden Staff and it gets in your blood, they were saying it can attack the valves in your heart and kill you. You know, so mm. there was a few moments. I don't remember much about hospital, funnily enough. Um, but Natalie tells me I was talking about the walls changing colours and moving and so I was in a pretty good, yeah, I was in a good place. Um, people pay a lot of money for those mushrooms. but yeah. I, <laughs> You didn't have to, you just had to get the golden stuff growing inside of you. Yeah, I don't remember eating them. So hence all of that going on, I didn't really have much physio or after treatment. Um, it was more concentrating on recovery from other I things. I think this is probably the only time we can use this, you're probably lying prostrate, <laughs> prostrate on the bed without everyone. your prostate. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty tough journey for me. Um, and I don't think it was the prostate cancer that was a tough part of the journey because that was relatively easy. Um, and Tom Tom and Clay supporting me in hospital were there every day. Every day. I think Tom was getting a bit annoyed that I didn't get better sooner because he had to keep coming to see me, but <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Um, but, yeah, the, the recovery in that was uh, different. Um, obviously, I think we're heading, so it was April 20th, 2020, I had the surgery, and what are we now, September, so it's over a September year. September 20th today, actually, so spot on. Yeah so, it's, yeah, so it's over a year. I just had my bloods done again last week um, for PSA, so I'm waiting to see those results. Um, PSA results been okay through the year till now? Yeah. Um, look, I forgot about doing those, but I, I did them this week after I went to Melissa last week. And I was like, you've been a very bad boy. You <laughs> so, haven't done your regular PSA checks. So with the lymph node, just so I can understand the pathology, so the lymph nodes were removed, but did they come back with any metastases or were they okay? Were they clear? They were clear, weren't they, Rod? I'm pretty sure that uh, yeah, the first tests they were clear. Um, he didn't take them all, so there's still some there. You know how many he um, had removed? Look, he, he may well have told me, but it, <laughs> you were blank. I was a little frustrated, yeah. I was a, yeah, I was a yeah. little bit, but they were clear, but they looked a bit dodgy, which was why he took them. Took some of them. Oh, Tom, and, yeah, Tom yeah. took some because he, he was concerned that they might have had yeah. some microscopic cancers within them. So he said he got the ones he was concerned with, but we have to keep testing for three years. Um, as far as recovery is concerning, um, I'm, I'm going quite well, I think. Um, once you got out of the hospital, how were you with continence? Uh, not very good, no. I was um, So I've had, um, so I still wear small pads now, but I, I don't leak that often, but there's the odd occasion that after you have a have a piss, you put yourself away and next minute there's a bit of an afterflow, which isn't, okay, isn't so that's, ideal. That's called post-void dribble or terminal dribble. So do you do pelvic, terminal. Do you terminal. Do pelvic floor exercises, right? Yeah, Melissa hounds me to do those and I, I, <laughs> if remember, you do, I remember. If you do 10 little fast quick ones at the end of each pee, that should drain out another 15, 20 mils of urine. Um, okay. And it's just a nice way of making sure you do pelvic floor exercises every day anyway. And it literally oh. acts like the, the suction pump that your prostate used to be to empty your bladder properly. Oh, so explain oh. that again, Joe. So you do explain exactly how so we do you that. So you just stop here now. You just gently relax your belly and your buttock muscles. You squeeze the front passage as if you're stopping your flow of urine. Draw your penis in and your testes up. And then gently release. 
And you do that 10 times quickly. I say squeeze, lift nuts to guts, let go. Squeeze, lift nuts to guts, let go. And you do that 10 times rapidly. And then what happens is you get this um, end urine elimination because your prostate used to be the pressure valve that would push it out. The work of pelvic floor is involved in the endurance of emptying, but to get the last little push out bit, you need the fast twitch fibres to activate and they're ready and full on fire to, to empty. And if you do do that, say 10 times at the end of each peak, average bloke goes five to six times over 24 hours. You actually fit in a 50 to 60 exercises um, regardless. So you fix your problem and you stop the dribble. So you can't just shake it a few extra times to get you that You can do all of that. Out. There is something called um, milking your urethra, but that involves you having to place your hand under your scrotum and gently drag um, all the tissues um, from the top of the penis to the base. And I don't think that would go down too well in most public um, settings. So um, <laughs> you know, I've had this discussion many times with patients and research by Grace Story from 2005 actually um, state, compared the two and found that there was much more uh, efficient elimination when you did the pelvic floor exercises. So Excellent. big, big uh, kudos to Professor Grace Story for that bit of research. So, Rod, now can we get on to my favourite subject? So after all of this settled down, did you start popping popcorn again? Was it all working again for you? Or what was the... Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I know the answer to this, but I I want you to tell our listeners. Look, um, back to the pelvic floor exercises before we move forward. That's a great idea because I struggle to find an excuse to do it, but now I think about it, that's... That'll be very helpful. So it's always to I'll me do just that. doing them you know, without too much effort as not another list at the end of the day. Just merge it with something you already have to do. Brushing your teeth, doing your pee. Back mm. to sex. Melissa wants to move on to sex. <laughs> I want yeah, to yeah. move on to popping now. Okay. Right. Yeah. So tell us what happened with the popping. Look, um, I to thank Melissa because she's introduced me to the um the injections and um I mean, you know, obviously I was a star performer before the surgery, but now, <laughs> now I'm incredible. It's amazing. But um, but she, she's got a good batch mixed up for me. And um, when I went and saw her last week, she said, oh, do you want me to change the recipe? Because I said, no, no, it's spot on. I said, did you um, want him to change the recipe? Because it was lasting a bit long, but he was quite happy that it was uh, lasting well, a little bit long. I found out last week on social media, Melissa was called the erection fairy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that, but yeah, that's yeah. She, she's my fairy. <laughs> a very good um, mother, an erection fairy. <laughs> so, um, yeah. what and so, how do you go with the injections? Like, were you feeling like nervous at the beginning, or were you like, let's just do it, and pop get it, it in? Yeah, pop it in. Well, it's it's pretty nerve wracking when you've got your girlfriend and some stranger you've met for the first time holding onto your willy, sticking a pin in it, <laughs> and saying, oh, "This will be great. Don't worry." And I'm like, "Really? I'm not." Not really feeling it at the moment, um, but yeah, that was that was a fun fun moment. The first time Melissa did that to me, um, my partner lives in Mandra, so we had the injection, and then Melissa was telling me about pelvic floor and other things, and she said, "How are you going?" I said, oh, "I can feel blood." Flow. Oh, well, show me then, and I'm like, "Far out," you know. I've just got it out a minute ago, and now she's what you say? <laughs> You're a grower, not a shower, and I'm like, "Oh, thanks for that." <laughs> what did she say? Sorry, take two. She said, "She said you're a grower, not a shower." And I thought, "Oh, <laughs> thank you." That's um, confidence yeah. boosting erection fairy. Oh, well, oh. That, whoa, 
was. It was Nat, oh. Nat was very impressed as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, it was a long drive home with this flaming <laughs> thing sticking minutes. in my belly. Uh, I said, Nat, we've got to pull over. I haven't had anything like this for a long time. She said, no, no, we'll get home, we'll get home. <laughs> so, yeah, we got home. And even then, after an hour's drive, it was still like a sledgehammer. And um, her son was at her mum's. She said, let's take advantage of it. Of course, I was still a bit sore. So it was only a couple of hours, I suppose, and then it was still not going away. Mm. We had to go and pick the sun up. So I rang Melissa and I'm going, this thing's not quitting, you know. And she's like, well, you better go and get some pseudo pseudoephedrine. Yeah. So here I'm at the chemist with a backpack in front of me, <laughs> walking up with my script going, I need some pseudoephedrine. <laughs> and uh, trying to cover up my little willy there. And, um, yeah. <laughs> And I had to wait ages for the stuff to come, and then it was like two every half an hour, and it still wasn't quitting. But yeah, we mix, we've mixed. We've, we've got it sorted now, now, haven't we? It lasts for yeah. an appropriate. Oh, wait a minute! We've got a little bit of background music. We've got oh, popping yeah. popcorn. Oh yeah, that's popcorn right. Song. I was going to start playing this anytime you mention the word popcorn because my kids know this is the funeral <laughs> song I want to have. Funeral song. Oh really? Yeah, because yeah, I remember like growing popcorn. up. Okay, I love sorry. This song. Okay. DJ Joe coming in. Right. So, um, so, but now you've got the right mix, haven't you? You're using it regularly yep. and everything's going well, really. Yeah, two hours of power. It's awesome. It's, um, you know, yeah, that's no your, complaints. That's what we're going to call your episode two hours of power with <laughs> Mr. Popcorn. I don't want to go to three hours because it tends to last about three hours, but Nat's usually saying, give it a rest. So, yeah, not it's not very healthy for it to last that long. So uh, two hours is our max we're aiming for. So good. Okay. So, over time, Melissa, um, guys like Rod, they should feel as though they're um, not needing quite as much medication. Do you mind talking us through that? Yeah. So we haven't. Yours is was lasting less, wasn't it? Now it's lasting a bit longer, which shows that things are starting to improve. And so hopefully, as time goes on, we'll be able to reduce the strength. Um, it's just that Mr. Popcorn's a little bit enthusiastic. He's he's nervous for us to reduce it, aren't you? Because you're quite happy with it at the moment. But yeah, as things improve, because you're 18 months post-op now and things are getting better all the time. So we keep adjusting. When I catch up with people for their follow-ups, I'll talk to them about how many units they're using and we'll look at the mix. And if things have started to last a bit longer, then we adjust the mix accordingly. Sure. So, and can I ask a question? So Professor John Mulhall um, over in New York, he always talks in his information that the first year after a radical prostatectomy, you don't often have much function, but the second year is when everything starts to happen. Can you reflect on that? Did that happen to you in terms of response or even a little bit of spontaneous sensations there? Look, I'm, I feel like I'm going pretty well. I think I don't know whether it's a nervous thing or, or you know, the normal psychology behind um, dysfunction. Um, I know that Certainly, blood flows there. Everything's there, but I think I think the um, the hurdles I had initially in those probably two months post op when I was in hospital and things like that might have put me on the back burner a bit. Um, look, I'm feeling confident that things are certainly improving all the time, um, and and like with with the exercises that Melissa gives you to do, and um, not that I use the pump, it's sort of a bit bit of a challenge because I work away to take toys and things <laughs> with you to help do your um your rehab um I just feel I feel like I'm I'm moving forward but in saying that um I certainly enjoy the injection the <laughs> worst case anyway. scenario let's say if you never get your full function you get back to your pre-op 
at how will you feel about using injections long term? Oh, it doesn't bother me in the least. I mean, it does take a little bit of spontaneity out of things, but I think um, I'm to the point where I can still be spontaneous enough to get things going. And obviously, depending on the person, how much you enjoy everything else around being intimate, um, there's so much more to intimacy than just that, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, and it's fun to be able to to have that confidence of having the injection say, and knowing you've you can worked it. it out and you can trust it. I'm just going to put a little story I had. I actually had a, a GP that I saw just a couple of days ago in my clinic and he um, worked with a, um, not Melissa, but another um, sexology nurse and she was able to teach him how to do it and it was fine the first time, but he's a GP. And so he went and said, I'll have no trouble doing this. And he tried another couple of times at home and he did not have any success. So he was scrambling around the dark. He went back to see the nurse and um, realised that he'd really mucked it up completely. And then he's still in the process of back and forth trying to get a dosage that's appropriate. But I said, look, this is really reassuring because you're a doctor, a GP that actually gives, particularly these days, lots of injections mm. with COVID. And he really struggled to get the technique right. And uh, that's um, the reason that a lot of guys actually give it up because they find it too difficult and it loses spontaneity. But when you're taught well, um, obviously you managed to push through it and um, got the confidence for, it, for you to trust it. You know, the thing that I found that I think is really interesting is I often find guys who do, and this is a generalisation, but guys who are more like hands-on in their job manage the injections much better than the guys who have a more cerebral kind of job because it yeah. seems like when you overthink it, it makes it difficult. Whereas, like, you're the kind of guy uh, I think that, you know, you kind of were just like, oh, well, this is what i got to do. I'll just do it, you know. And I'm sure. And you are sitting um, watching us in your high-vis gear, so we know you're a very practical person. <laughs> but do you remember if it was tricky, like, to get the dosage right or right from the first one, was it all good? No, it was, I'm, yeah, it was, Melissa made it really simple. Like, you just mm. pull out the 10 mils or whatever your measurement is. She got that little injector tool that helps. I mean, that makes it so much yeah, easier. Yeah, so I asked a doctor if he knew about that and he didn't. And I looked on your website for it. Is yeah. it? Is yeah, it they're available? on our website. Yeah. How much are they? They're eighty dollars each for the auto injector, but you use that forever. They're great. Yeah. So how do they work? So the way they work is you put the needle in it, and then you don't actually see the needle go in. So you put the end of it on the penis, and then you press a button, and it goes. Um, in and you don't see it and then you push the plunger so you have control but you're not actually jabbing a needle into you which I think it's much but easier. But also it goes at the correct um, at depth. depth. It yeah. always goes at the correct depth. It takes the guesswork out of it do you think popcorn? Yeah no it's yeah. awesome like um, I guess you said stick it in the penis so it just goes into the shaft it's dead easy I mean I mean a couple of times I've I've stuffed it up I don't know whether it's because I was too drunk or whether I <laughs> put it in the wrong <laughs> angle or what happened there. Melissa, um, sorry, Melissa, what's some yeah. common mistakes that people might make? Most common thing I think with people make is for some bizarre reason they twist their whole penis upside down and then end up doing it on the the down, the bottom surface of oh. the penis instead of the top and then it doesn't work. And you don't teach people to do that? No, I definitely no. tell them not to twist their penis upside down, but some people have very twisty penises. But I think, and the other big mistake <laughs> is a lot of guys forget to hold the base, which I think helps. And the, I just think the most important thing here is if the worst case scenario is if you put it in the wrong spot, you can't do damage. It just 
doesn't work, does it? Like Can you put you, another dose in there? No, you have to wait 24 hours before, before you put another dose in just mm. in case some of it went in because your risk of getting a prior prism would be too high. But have you found that... <laughs> Have you found that, Rod, that when you um, put, like, when that all that's gone happened, if you put it in the wrong spot, it just hasn't worked? Yeah, yeah, well, it's no, no dramas. And I have, we have, we've, we've shortened my dose to, I can get within 12 hours if, because I've got such a small dose, you told me. So, yeah, so sometimes you can have an evening session and a morning session. So yeah. that's good. And I don't normally advocate that, but in, um, you know, Rod works away, so he's got to make up for lost time, oh. don't you? You've got to put him in the bag. Yeah. And you're using such a tiny dose that we've worked out what's What's safe. a tiny dose? I think you're using 10 units, aren't you, which is 0.1, yeah. of, a, what, 0.1 of a mil. Oh, right. It's a mm. tiny, tiny dose that you're using. So if you take a Viagra tablet, or have you, and what sort of similar response or not do you get at the moment? Um, so I haven't taken any pills for a long time. Um, actually, Melissa's given me some new ones to try. Because I think obviously because hmm. you weren't that keen to try um, them again, were you? Because you just like the needle so much. Yeah, well, I'm. Why would I? Don't break it if it's not broken, you know. Yeah, just, yeah but the thing is yeah. that the nerves actually improve over time, and so that um, can, your response may be better, you know, six to twelve months later than what it would have been initially. So I always think of it as being a step down opportunity. But I tell my patients to, if they do get the okay from their medical practitioner to do the challenge dose, just once a month, just play with themselves, mm. self-stimulate in the shower, whatever it might be. And you might be surprised that you may not need to keep on injecting down the track. Um, what are your comments on that? Yeah, Melissa? I agree. Like if they work, and but I have had quite a lot of men surprisingly, who the tablets will work to give them erection, but they don't like the side effects of the headache oh, or the okay. reflux. So, they the so they'll say, look, I'm going to stay with the injection because I know it works for me. I'm using a tiny dose. I'm mm. good at it and I don't get a headache. Yeah. So Win -win. it really depends on, on, okay. on how you go. That's a really good perspective. So, Rod, also tell us about your orgasm. What has been noticed a change in that after surgery? Um, well, suppose initially after the biopsy, and I've heard you speak about this, in a few of your sessions, like you have the biopsy, you go home, and obviously when you when you get lucky next time, your ejaculate's got blood in it, and you're like, far out, what's going wrong here? And I, whether I wasn't paying attention, which does happen with me occasionally, um, <laughs> um, or what, but it freaked me out a little bit. But yeah, um, after post surgery, there's no no ejaculate, which a lot of my close friends, which I've spoken to about it, are like, oh. Wow, you know, nothing in the side. Yeah, well, it's great. There's no mess. And mm. <laughs> it's um, you know, obviously not many, not many women truly enjoy getting that sort of stuff all over them. So yeah, it gets gets rid of the mess. And um you still have an orgasm, you still ejaculate, like you still your pelvic floor still pumps as if you were ejaculating. Um, and you get sensitive exactly the same, everything's exactly the same, except it's clean. Yeah. So do you <laughs> enjoy sex as much as you used to do you think oh look i mean of course I've, I've always enjoyed sex but i mean i enjoy the confidence now and i think i was alluding to it before that having the injection i'm confident that that injection is not going anywhere so we can digress and do lots of other things mm -hmm. physically together and whether you're in spa bath or whether you're out in the backyard or whatever you're doing you can do lots of stuff and then get back to intercourse as well so you can mix it up and have fun with it and don't you don't have that anxiety of your erection going away because it's there and 
yeah. there and ready to go. It must be so good, so reassuring. Like, yeah, I think it's just so important for your self-esteem, mm. all of this, because, you know, that's the biggest thing I hear from men is this whole loss of masculinity after this type of, of prostate cancer treatment, and this kind of makes you get it back again, doesn't it, for a bit? Yeah, well, no, I feel more confident having the injections than I did. I mean, I did before, and I mean... Um, if you have a few drinks, everything still works. There's no stress and, I mean, and there's no the anxiety. Right <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> so That's this right. has been great. Have you got anything else that you'd like to share with the with the penis podcast audience? Well, I think you don't probably don't listen to this until you've had to deal with prostate cancer. So it's interesting. Um, but I don't know. The most important thing is, like, when I initially got the diagnosis, I was freaking out and I was so terrified that I was going to die. And at the end of the day, you can move forward and within two years your life's back to normal and and whether you carry on with injections or whether you, you get to the point where you, you've got an erectile function again, it doesn't really matter, you know. At the end of the day, the cancer's gone, you can move forward. And um, unfortunately, I've been living life a bit heavily since I... Um, was diagnosed. So I lost 25 kilos. Wow. Um, with with Tom's <laughs> Tom's That's stressful. Yeah. So for surgery, I did well, but now I've been going out, living life of Larry, and having counter meals and beers and going all over the place. So I need to sort of how much of that consider my health. Have you regained? About 24, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that keeping the weight off keeps the cancer away. So it's really important. So, I've got yeah, one yeah. final question. Do you like? Do you eat popcorn? Yeah, well, my son cooks it. He loves it. He's got the microwave popcorn, and I love it as well. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mr. Popcorn, for chatting to us today. That was fantastic. That oh, was good fun. Thanks, ladies. Thank you so much. I'm gonna tell you about a boy who lives inside me. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our program today. And we're pleased to let you know that we will be having weekly podcasts, not fortnightly, as originally proposed. And this is because of the popularity of our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions, and so much feedback. And Melissa and I greatly appreciate it. What we'd really love you to do is share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download off Spotify or subscribe to thepenisproject.org and then you'll get a weekly email of our newest releases. Also feel free to send us a review and this will greatly help in our ongoing ability to bring you new and fresh information as that's the way we build what comes next. We also have show notes attached and this gives a bit of a background into any additional resources or explanations of what we're talking about. Finally, it's my great pleasure to let you know that PROST, the exercise program which sponsors our podcast, is now available on a USB resource for any man diagnosed with prostate cancer an exercise program. Clinicians can buy these as well as the everyday bloke. So feel free to check out prost.com.au. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going.
of those warm afternoons Boys on their bikes Shooting stones at each other through the trees We tried to deny the going down of the sun We're just having too much fun 